You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to The Hedgehog and the Fox, the podcast in search of answers to questions large and small. My guest in this program is Pat Shipman retired Professor of Anthropology at Pennsylvania State University. And the question we're pursuing is, when did humans domesticate wolves, and did it give them a critical advantage over their competitors? In her book, The Invaders, Pat argues that our last close relative, the Neanderthals, were driven to extinction, not just by climate change, though that played a part, but by the incursions of an invasive species, Homo sapiens. Our ancestors completely changed the ecosystem when they arrived in Eurasia between 45 and 50,000 years ago. Life for our Neanderthal cousins became much tougher. And what part might the domestication of wolves have played in Homo sapiens gradually ousting the Neanderthals by giving them an advantage in hunting? On this hypothesis, domestication occurred much earlier than the previous consensus believed. When I spoke to Pat on the phone, I began by asking if, in fact, Homo sapiens' advantages over the Neanderthals included a whole range of attributes, cognitive, communicative, cooperative. I think that's probably true. Neanderthals have been um, given a bad reputation, partly because they were the first non-modern hominid ever discovered, and so people have cartooned them into the dumb caveman wears a little loincloth of fur, Hmm. carries a big club and says, ugh. Uh, That's a gross misjudgment of what Neanderthals were capable of. However, it would appear that they were perhaps less adaptable, less likely to change their behavior than modern humans are, and we are great changers of behavior, and they may have had less efficient communication. This particularly becomes an issue when we're talking about the domestication of wolves into dogs, or into wolf dogs, as I call them, because I don't want people to think about poodles. It takes communication skills, great communication skills, to understand what's going on with another species. And one of one of the most fascinating things, and one of the things which has been getting a lot of attention for the book, is you present research findings which suggest that the domestication of the wolf took place much earlier than we've previously thought, by, by a factor of, what, 16 or 18,000 years? Yes. 
Now, I, I should clarify in this regard, what I am doing is endorsing or uh, carrying further work that has been done by other people. The leader of the team that has done most of the work is Mietje german Prey, who is a a Belgian paleontologist, and she and her team have done some extremely clever and startling research demonstrating that there is a group of canids, of doggy-like things, during this period in Eurasia, and they may very well be working in collaboration with humans, which would be the beginnings of domestication. You underline the point that domestication is far from a given. I mean, it is, is quite an extraordinary thing for a species to do, and yet we take it for granted because we've, we've lived with domesticated animals for so many millennia. But you really brought home that fact that um, it's far from a, an expected kind of thing to try to domesticate a, a top predator like the wolf. Well, in fact, there are only two predators that have ever been domesticated, wolves into dogs and wild cats into house cats. Most of the domestic animals we think about are prey species, they are sheep, they are pigs, they are horses, they are cattle. They are animals who are highly edible, of course, but who also have other assets that we can make use of, like having fur, like giving milk in some cases, like having extreme strength and power for carrying or for hauling things. These are, are big, big advantages to domesticating those animals. Domesticating a wolf into a dog is not at all the same. A predator is a quite different kind of animal with quite different attributes. And although I don't think domesticating goats, for example, is necessarily easy, domesticating a wolf was much harder. Also, at this time, there were no other domestic species. The concept of domesticating an animal, forming an alliance with it, controlling its genetics, so controlling its reproduction so you get the kind of animal you want out of the system, is a completely new concept at this period in time. And it's quite an astonishing thing to do if you think about it. You are working with someone who might be regarded as uh, your worst competitor, your worst enemy. And of course, wolves are vicious, <laughs> ferocious mm. animals. So it, it's a very odd transformation to envision. We have to think more about looking at a wolf and thinking, if I could just get that wolf to cooperate a little bit and not eat the baby, um, <laughs> This would be a big advantage. You, you've no time for the, the, um, the hypothesis, which has had a fair bit of currency in recent decades, that the wolf was almost self-domesticating by hanging around human settlements and human rubbish dumps. It sort of brought itself in from the cold. You've got a much more human-directed sort of view of it. Is that, is that correct? Yes, that is correct, partly because when you move wolf domestication back to this period of, say, 40,000 years ago. There aren't permanent villages. There are not permanent settlements. There are what you might call camps where people might stay for some weeks, maybe even 
a few months if things were going right. But there wouldn't have been any established structure where there was a garbage dump. The other problem I have with it is that people who know wolves a great deal better than I tell me that, in fact, one of the things that makes a wolf more dangerous to humans is if they are feeding off a garbage dump. When they observe people, they lose their fear of them. They begin to notice, as any good predator does, where this potentially tasty snack hangs out. Mm. Uh, They go from here to there. The little ones tend to play over there, maybe. The more they learn about human habits, the more aggressive they get towards humans, not the less aggressive. So I don't think this whole story of self-domestication and coming closer and closer and being fed a tidbit and so on, I don't buy it. And, of course, it doesn't work if you don't have a village and a garbage dump anyway. The, the last thing I wanted to ask you is about the chronology, because you date the the first evidence of wolf dogs to 36,000 years ago. And if, if I'm remembering correctly, the last evidence we have of Neanderthals dates from about 40,000 years ago. So is there a, a chronological hole there that we've somehow got to fill with, with evidence we've not yet discovered? Yes, there is. There is perhaps 2,000 years during which we've seen the last of the Neanderthals and we haven't yet seen the beginning of the wolf dogs. Because I've been in this field a long time, when I see something like that, I say, okay, what are the chances we have found and accurately dated the last Neanderthal that ever lived? Hmm, About zero. What is the chance that simultaneously we have found the first appearance of wolf dogs and accurately dated that? Again, it's very, very tiny. Most things aren't preserved. Most sites are never found. So a 2,000-year gap, to me, it's very close to being the same date. It's certainly bridgeable, in other words. It's certainly bridgeable. Pat Shipman. Her book, The Invaders, How Humans and Their Dogs Drove Neanderthals to Extinction, is available from Harvard University Press in hardback. You can find out more about it on their website. And do visit thehedgehogandthefox.com for news of forthcoming and archive interviews in this series. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, look for The Hedgehog and the Fox under Podcasts, or you can follow the programme on SoundCloud. Until next time, thank you very much for listening, and goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.